0: Welcome to The Other Coast, a podcast detailing the Malifo meta in Los Angeles. My name is Jeff, and with me is another SoCal player, Colgan. Hi, everyone. Hey, Colgan. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> uh, good, good. Uh, we're recording this on Mother's Day, so, you know, happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. Hope you remember to call your mom or whatever. Uh, not really any of our business, we don't know what your relationship is like with your mom or whether or not you can still call her, but in any case, Happy Mother's Day uh, out there if it applies to you. So today, we are going to talk about cheating. Um, you know, what it is as a mechanic. How
1: appropriate.
0: <laughs> what it is about mecha- as a mechanic. Uh, maybe something about when you might want to do it or the circumstances under which cheating is a good idea and when you might just want to let things either fail if if you're the attacker and you're behind or let things hit you if you're the defender and you're getting hit uh and this is primarily going to be an episode uh for beginners because experienced players are going to understand cheating i think it's probably one of the major sort of skill gap elements in the game and since we're both kind of middling players experienced players will probably understand this better than we do but uh, in any case, maybe something we said will sound interesting or entertaining. So to start us off, Kulgan, what is cheating?
1: Yeah, so cheating is a primary mechanic in Malifaux. You know, in Malifaux, the thing that sets it apart is you use cards and you also have a fate hand, which is going to be six cards. And at in pretty much every duel in the game, with some exceptions, you're able to cheat in a card from your hand to replace the result of flipping a card off the top of your deck. So if there's like a simple duel and you need like a six and you flip a four, then you can just choose to cheat in a six or higher in order to succeed. And yeah, that's kind of the basics of it. But of course, once you get into the game and you have all those activations and all these mounting pressures about like keeping your models alive, killing the enemy model and trying to score your points at the same time, you will find that your six cards don't seem to go as far as you thought they would.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, I guess to start off the discussion, let's first talk about your control hand. Now, you've you've mentioned you, know, that you that you cheat from your hand. You you replace the card that you flipped with the, the card in your hand, and so this means that you have a certain amount of control over actions that you want to succeed or you want to when you want to cheat and and when you don't. So. At the start of your turn when you draw your cards are you already evaluating what actions you're going to need uh, like which specific card for
1: oh uh, yeah 100 percent. so you know going into a turn you're generally going to have an idea or if you don't that's something you should probably work on an idea of what you're trying to accomplish you know like how are you going to score your schemes how you're going to score your strategies um which models are in place to do that and like which enemy models are in a place to prevent you from doing that. And then depending on the cards in my hand will kind of push me whether I go on the offensive and maybe try and remove some models from my opponent to try and you know push my advantage and get an activation control. Or whether I be more defensive and try to stay out of reach of my opponent. Yeah. So i was just gonna say
0: that makes sense
1: thank you for agreeing with me it's always appreciated (laughs) the the thing i notice a lot with newer players is there's this idea that you know always you always want to have like all severes in your hand and if you don't have all severes in your hand like you have a bad hand and i i feel like there's this expectation like that's statistically inaccurate about how high the quality of your hand should be like sometimes i'll see newer players like oh i drew a shit hand and they'll have like a four a six and then like you know a nine ten and like 113 and I'm like oh this is terrible I'm like <laughs> well that, that's a pretty that's a pretty average hand but you know it, it's kind of like the feeling if you don't have like two or three severes then you're not going to be able to like reliably kill enemy models and i mean sure that can be true but you know, as, as we always like to say, you know, like, kill, killing always helps, but in the end, you have to be doing what scores you points. So the first thing that I usually do when looking at cards in my hand is I'm going to be looking at those weak cards and seeing, you know, which simple duels can I use them for? Because most simple duels, you'll need, you know, maybe um, a five or a six in order to get them off. And that's going to kind of influence what you can do.
0: Right. Yeah. It, these moderate cards can actually be really important. Uh, you want to make sure that you can do a ride with me, for instance. You know, you you need that 6, or in some cases even a, a 7. Uh, I think the Rough Riders need a 7. And if you have to get this ride with me in order to score points, and you don't have a modder in your hand, or you'd already used a modder for something else in another situation, uh, and your only choice is to cheat in uh, a 12 or a 13, it feels really bad to have to do that. So... You know you're you're definitely spot on with with this whole you don't you don't want to see six severs in your hand in most cases you want a range of cards in order to in order to cheat kind of the most efficient value every point that you cheat over what you need is kind of a, a lost point so this actually th- there's another element to this too where there are actions that require specific suits right so for some models they may only need, say, a three of masks to leap. But if you don't have that mask, a 13 of rams still fails. So you need to, I think, look at your... When you draw your cards at the start, you need to look at them and, and assign vaguely because you're not going to be able to really map out the entire turn, probably, because your opponent gets a say in what happens. But you should have a sense of what you need to achieve and which of your resources you're willing and able to dedicate to those goals.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the mentality I usually have when going into a turn is when I'm evaluating my hand and the actions or things that I need to do, if I don't have the card in hand to ensure success, my assumption is that the action is going to fail. And I need to plan accordingly around that and kind of see like, you know, if I do this move, am I still getting something out of it, even if my attack doesn't go off or if all my actions fail. And I think something that I kind of see newer players struggle with is they get this feeling that they need to win every single duel, but you know, you only have six cards in your hand (laughs) and like every, you know, every model you activate usually has like two or three actions since most have a bonus action. So like you activate two models in your crew and like all of a sudden your hand is gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I that's a really interesting way of looking at it where you just kind of assume failure. And I mean, does that basically apply no matter what the value you're you need in order to achieve what you're trying to do? Right? Like if you need to if if you're say a Cilarid, And you've got your suited leap, so you only need like a three or four, whatever it is. I think it's a three. Uh, Are you going to assume that that's going to fail too? Or are you basically moving into a position assuming you're going to be able to make your leap uh, because it's such a low value?
1: I mean, of course, it's going to matter a bit on what the actual TN of it. But even for like really low TN things, like where you need to flip like a two or a three. Honestly, if I don't have the card in hand, then my assumption is that it's going to fail. And then at that point, the question is Is there something that's more reliable that I can do, or is this still my best course of action? I see. Right? Like, if there's an enemy model with like one HP left, and I'm like, Well, I don't have the card in hand to make sure I get the hit in, but if I kill it, you know, like the swing from that is so massive, it's worth the risk. I
0: see. I see. How does that apply on the defensive side? Do you assume that when you move a model out there, that anything that is in position to threaten it is going to hit it you know do you do you go with that approach
1: yeah i I go for pretty much the same approach if i i mean defensively i think even more so because you always need to have a higher card than your opponent in most cases in order to like completely dodge an attack most of the time i'm I'm always assuming that you know if they swing at me they're going to hit and they're going to hit for like min damage so, I mean, I'll calculate that again. And, you know, it's going to be the same thing. If I have, like, a red joker in my hand and I know I can dodge at least one hit, or, you know, if it's a henchman or I have defensive triggers, I will calculate, you know, the, how much damage output I expect from them if they hit on every single activation. And that's going to go into my calculations. Like, is this still worth it to go there? Do I want to try and bleed resources somewhere else or, like, you know, tie them up in combat so they can't actually go after um, my models? who's being threatened
0: makes sense so you know one element of cheating that's really kind of central to the mechanic and and i think at the core of uh the the way you've been describing how you are assuming things are going to go about uh is it if you can get to certain values what you're trying to do can automatically succeed or automatically fail and you can know that outcome with a pretty high degree of certainty in fact it Leaving Jokers aside for the moment, if if Jokers just didn't exist, if you can hit these values, you just, you know you're going to make it. And I guess reintroducing Jokers, if you are sitting on the Black Joker uh, and the cards you need, you know you just can't fail, right? So can you talk a little bit about kind of this mathematical determinism that's sort of a central element in the system, but maybe something that newer players haven't thought a lot about or taken into consideration when they're going to try actions?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I I think the easiest one to understand is just your simple duels. You know, like you're talking about Ride With Me or things like that, where you just need to make a TN number, right? You know, if you have a stat six and a TN 10, as long as you have a four in hand or you flip a four, you know that the action is going to succeed. And as you mentioned earlier, it's not like you get a bonus for flipping a card that's like, you know, flipping a 13 to pass like a TN 10 test. That doesn't really help you. It's just kind of lost efficiency. In the case of opposed duels, the kind of range of cards you need is a lot smaller. So the average defense for most models in the game is going to be 5. You know, like 5 defense, 5 willpower. So when you attack, the average attack stat is a 5. So, you know, just simple math. If you're a stat 5 attack hitting against a stat 5 defense, if you flip a 13 and they flip a 13, you're both going to be at 18 you know, without jokers, the highest value you're going to get, and your attack will go through because attacker wins on ties. So if I have, like, a stat 5 model attacking a stat 5 enemy model, I do not assume, like, I'm going to get a hit unless I have a 13 in hand. And of course there's going to be percentages. If I have, like, 11 or 12 in hand, I can be reasonably sure that I'm going to get a hit through, but, you know, if I'm going to, like, burn all these resources, like, focus and flip, um, I'm going to balance that against the fact that I really, if my opponent flips in that 13, I'm just losing everything in that attack and there's nothing I can really do about it.
0: Got it. Got it. So I don't want to get like too far in the weeds with, with specific instances, but one thing I think that could be illustrative here is looking at specific situations. So let's say that, you know, you're step 5 your opponent is step five, uh, you're attacking them and you flip a four and, and they flip a six and mm-hmm. you have a 10 and a 13 in your hand, in what situation would you cheat? In what situation would you cheat the 10? In what situation would you cheat the 13?
1: So yeah, it, it would depend on what my goal for that was, right? If I'm going to kill them in this attack, if I hit min, like I'm going to cheat in the 13. Or, you know, if it's like really late in the turn, of, of course, it's, gonna, it's going to depend on what value I see in that card, right? If killing this thing will secure me a point then I'm probably going to cheat in the 13 even if I have another attack because I just don't really want to risk it. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, I take that back. <laughs> if I have another attack, I might cheat in the 10. But it, again, it's going to... It, and this is why like, it, it gets so nitty-gritty with cheating, right? And how it's kind of hard to explain exactly when you should be cheating to newer players. Because you know, if this is like the end of the turn or if i have some other like high priority activation you know if there's not as much weight on this i might not cheat on that high card but you know let's simplify it because you know we can go down this route forever but basically if i know that this is going to secure me a point i will cheat in that 13 because i don't want to risk wasting actions or losing additional resources fighting this person right if i cheat in that 10 and they cheat in an 11 and i go to my next attack and then i cheat on that 13 to hit I'm losing two cards out of my hand when I could have just cheated in my 13, gotten the hit, gotten the point and kept that 10 in my hand that it could use for a duel later on in the game.
0: Got it. And when wouldn't you cheat at all?
1: So I won't cheat when I don't think that I'm going to get anything worthwhile out of it, right? So there are times, you know, if I'm like, if it's like a running gun action, right? Like my stat five minions running forward, I'm like, oh, this guy happens to be in range. If I flip, like, a 6, they flip a 5, and I'm I'm not going to cheat. And they flip it, and then, you know, they cheat in a 10. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I didn't care about this attack. It was, like, a free thing I got from just moving forward. You know, actions off of running gun. It's always great because you're forcing pressure on your opponent without actually, ha- you know, dedicating any extra resources yourself.
0: Got it. So... I guess to kind of look at the same situation, but in reverse, right? Now you're the defender and you're losing with the four. Your opponent has a six or both stat five and you have the 10 and 13. When will you cheat? And when will you cheat the 10? And when will you cheat the 13?
1: Um, Yeah. So if the opponent I know has another attack coming and let's say I know if they kill me, they're going to get these points. I would probably cheat in the 10 first. Because I know in order to beat me, they're going to have to flip in. Well, I guess 10 is a Assyria, but they're going to need to like a 10, 11, 12, or 13, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like if I cheat in the 13 early, you know, they can still match it, still get that min and kill me, right? So I'm not going to cheat my, I don't want to waste resource where I think there's a low chance of success. Right. So like, sure, okay, I can cheat in the 13 here, maybe it saves me from this attack, but on their next attack, you know, if they flip a 10, then I'm dead. I lost that 13 out of my hand, and I am I was really just banking that their second attack is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there might be some circumstances where I take that risk anyways, depending on the course of the game. But in general, I'm trying to look at how likely I am to make it out of this situation with like my ideal outcome.
0: Right. So this actually illustrates kind of a major implication of cheating, and it's that attacking is more efficient than defending, so if you are on defense, you have to expend uh, more resources or or a better resource in order to guarantee Mm -hmm. success, and in most cases, right, sometimes maybe the defender will have the higher stat, and so that won't necessarily be true, but for the most part, the, the paradigm of the game is that attacking is easier than defending. And and that makes sense because if it were the opposite, it would be much harder to make progress in the game. So, you know, it's not a big mystery why, why this is so. But, you know, what I'm here for you is when you're evaluating when to use these resources on the defense, you're doing it understanding that at the same cost the attacker is going to get more from what they're spending than you are as the defender. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I I've watched a lot of games on Vassal and know. You know, especially with the Vassal world series and, and and whatever, there's just been kind of this explosion of, of, uh, games. There's just far more games than, than there was pre pandemic. And, 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 and it's, it's great to watch and just sort of see these, these higher level players and, and, You can actually see their thought process kind of uh, work out in real time. And then, of course, sometimes there's sort of a D-pack after the game. But one thing I've noticed that stronger players do is that they go into a sequence already understanding what the outcome is. And it's only an aberration that's going to change that, right? So if if they're sending in their master to make the swings at at their big target, they're doing it Mm. with... An expectation of an outcome that is—it's uh, very reliable in a statistical sense—and only something like, "Oh, I hit the black joker," or "You hit the red joker," or whatever. Only those kinds of events are really going to, um, really going to make them wrong, right? Really going to throw off the mm-hmm. calculation or, or make events not turn out uh, uh, the way they thought um, it would. And the reason why they can be so sure. In the outcome is because of the way cheating works and i think that's really something that a lot of newer players um or maybe a lot of like weaker players if you've been playing a long time but kind of struggling they don't really seem to appreciate it as much or at least that's what i've kind of noticed
1: yeah i mean I, I think with any game after a while you start getting a feel for what your chances of success are right even when you're like rolling dice like okay if i roll this many dice i can expect reasonably this many number of hits you know, even though Malifo doesn't use dice, you know, when you're flipping, when you're comparing stats, there's still kind of that expectation, right? Like if I'm going in, you know, just blind flipping stat five to stat five, you're expecting me, you know, like about half of your attacks to hit like a little more than that. But if your whole game plan is to, you know, like, I hope I flip better than my opponent, then there's going to, you know, like half the time you're just going to like fall flat on your face is a 50% success rate like good enough to win you the game? Like in most cases, probably not, or at least you're not going to, you know, your win rate's (laughs) going to be about 50%. Yeah.
0: And you know, this is something, again, I've noticed with, with newer players or, or maybe players who've struggled a bit in the game, they might in fact make the right decisions in the sense of what they're trying to do is appropriate for the circumstance and, and they're making mm-hmm. the right actions to try to score things and they're targeting the right enemy models. But if you it's it's actually the thing on Malvo is it's not enough to be doing the right thing. You have to be doing it <laughs> in the right way and right. and I have seen people they they jump Lady Justice in at at this eight stone enforcer or something mm-hmm. believing that the math is on their side and it is you, you know, maybe Lady Justice statistically, has, like, a 60, you know, two-thirds, 66% chance or whatever to kill this model. But that still means about a third time, it's just not going to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, stronger players do that jump with a 100%. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they have the Black Joker in their hand or something, right? Like, if the Red Joker, if the opponent's already <laughs> flipped the Red Joker, right? If we just, if we just leave Jokers aside for the moment, they're doing what mm-hmm. they're doing with 100% certainty. And so, I think one of the keys that, that leads to growth is being able to identify what it is you need to do with that 100% certainty. Because, as you mentioned, six cards is not enough to guarantee success for everything, even if every single cheat was a success, which is by no means guaranteed. So it's not, <laughs> it's not enough to know what to do and it's not enough to do it the right way you also have to correctly evaluate the resources that you have and what you need to spend in order to meet your goals and i think that's what makes malvo sort of a difficult game for people to play but it's also what makes malvo just a very deep game
1: yeah i definitely agree and now that you mentioned that it it gives me like a a better way of like phrasing what i was like trying to say But I I do notice, you know, like with newer players, like you said, it's like, oh, this model wants to be fighting. So they're always going to be fighting with this model, like this model wants to be scheming. So they always want to be scheming. And they're trying so hard to use their models optimally, which, you know, of course is a good thing, but they don't have the cards to back it up. But despite that, they're like, oh, no, Lady Justice always wants to be swinging. Like, it doesn't matter what's my hand. She's just going to be swinging and swinging. And They don't necessarily think about what happens after that. Right. I remember like one case, I I think when Brian was first playing with Euripides, right? You know, Thune has this frozen trophy trigger. Mm -hmm. And when he's playing against like other players, like he just run in frozen trophy guy and they just be out for the entire game because they had no one nearby to like bust (laughs) him out of the pillar. And then you know I was playing against him, and I was positioning my guys because I'm like, okay, I know Thune's gonna run in and frozen pillar something, because <laughs> that's that's what he wants to do. And of course, like he runs in, frozen pillar's my guy, and then I just have him like my five point like little minion that's just on standby. <laughs> like oh, pops him out of the pillar, and then I just punish Thune for being out of position. And it's like, wait, but you know I did what I was supposed to do, and it's like, well, yeah, but you have to consider. What else has it activated? You know, like, whether I'm going to dodge that. Sometimes they'll be surprised. You know, like, I'll have newer players. Like, they'll fight me. They'll swing into my guy. They're surprised I'm not, like, cheating to dodge the attack. Right. And it's because, you know, they're like, well, you should never want your guys to die. But I'm looking at the board. I'm like, this isn't worth the card in my hand. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I can eat this damage, and I'll be okay. Like, you're not going to kill him this turn. And, you know, if I wait and I swing back you know, with my beater model, these cards in hand means I'm going to kill your guy and I'm just going to be able to push that advantage through to the next turn.
0: Right. Yeah, one thing I I feel I see from newer players is, you know, they might get in a circumstance where uh, they make an attack, they're losing, but a moderate card will put them ahead. So they'll cheat in the moderate and, you know, I, I just won't cheat for the same reason. I, I What's going on is not central or I can absorb the damage or, or whatever, right? And then, mm-hmm. so they, they hit, and they do some damage or whatever, and that's not useless, it's good to put on damage, but then, later in the turn, when they need to do the ride with me, and, and they've, they're they just flipping off the top of the deck, right? And and they mm-hmm. fail, and then they don't do the ride with me, and either they're out of position, or in some extreme cases, they don't score points or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think really kind of figuring out cheating is, is a, a hard thing about the game, and it's a deceptively hard thing. I've seen players just get frustrated because it seems to them like they can't succeed in anything, right? Or right. whenever I attack their guy, I kill their guy. And it's it's uh, like, am I just the luckiest guy on earth? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> sometimes maybe that's the circumstance. But usually it's that I know McMorney needs to kill this guy for my plan. And so when McMorney went in, because of the math, I knew McMorney was going to hit. I knew he was going to kill him. And it, it can it can seem frustrating if you don't understand the way the way cheating works or, or, um you know, the way this kind of mathematical system works. And it can feel sometimes like there's just nothing you can do, like everything you've done in the game has failed. Like that's that's just a frustrating feeling. And Malifaux can sort of like I, I think new players can get that experience um, when they're playing against a stronger player.
1: Oh yeah, for 100 hundred hundred percent. Because I feel like a lot of times too when you're playing, you kind of or you know, like I kind of forget that my opponent has a hand too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you know, like I'm gonna swing in, I got this I got this high card on my hand, I'm just gonna hit on with my focus attack, then I'm just gonna drop the severe, I'm gonna do so much damage, and like oh, I they cheat on the red joker, I'm just like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work.
0: Yeah, and actually miscalculating can be even worse than not calculating right <laughs> like, you've you've done the math you figured it out you you charged in you know you have the resources it has to go the way that you thought it did and then mm-hmm. oh you didn't know about this like other guy's ability right like oh titania can only take moderate or like you didn't know that oh uh, actually, you know the Red Joker does exist, and you forgot that, um, or w- whatever it is. So, even though I think there is going from like knowing when to cheat, it's not like game over, right? There's still there's still mm-hmm. so much information in a game of Malifaux, and and that that gap, really, I think, is the skill gap between most players. So model knowledge. You know, I think a huge part of this game just comes down to model knowledge ultimately, because if you don't know what models do, you're not gonna know whether or not what you're trying to achieve is, is going to work like you think it is. But, you know, that's just uh that's just a thing you have to accept if you're gonna play Malifo.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, as you get better, it's you know, you have a better understanding of this chances of success and whether or not something's going to fail. And if you forget to account for something, then that's Definitely going to change what your calculations should have been. (laughs) So it's like, oh, I'm going to swing in. Like, I have this 13 in hand. I'm definitely going to get the hit. And like, fuck, they have terrifying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is kind of a universal thing or or if it's more uh, local to our meta. um, But I've noticed maybe the newer players don't always kind of appreciate the value of triggers as much Mm. as they should. Right? So, uh, you know, for instance, Lady Justice's leap. If you mm-hmm. want to do an attack, you need to stone. There's no other way for her to get two suits. But I, I, I know I was talking to a Lady Justice player once, and I was, after the game, I was asking like, go, oh, why, why didn't you leap in this situation? It's like, well, I didn't have a mask. But if you have a ram of the same value, you can make the leap, right? Because you'll just stone for the mask, and, and you'll have the ram trigger for the attack. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this, it's different than, oh, well, you just have to, like, figure out what your cards are and plot <laughs> it out, but it's not just the values that matter, it's the suits that also matter. And so, I think a lot of players would be better served if if they're newer or if they've been struggling with the game, they would be better served, I think, taking a little bit of time after they've drawn their cards to look at what they want to achieve in the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe this you know maybe this goes to you if, if you've been in those situations where and, and not you by Colgan, I mean you by the listener. <laughs> uh, if you've been in those situations where you've you've really felt like geez, everything I've tried has failed, next time you play, when you draw your cards, look at your cards, look at your models, look at the board state. What do I need to do? What can I guarantee? And then what do I have to you know what do I just have to like pray to the gods for? And then order those mm-hmm. those priorities. And actually praying to the gods, that, that brings up kind of the next thing I want to ask you about. Because thus far, we've been talking about cheating in terms of uh, certainty, right? Like you know what the values you need. You know you have a limited number of uh, resources that will get you, that will guarantee what you want. But what mm-hmm. do you do in those situations where um, maybe it's later in turn you don't have it as much as you you thought you would at the start, or maybe like, you know, your hand was just bad, or you played against Zoraida and <laughs> her bonus action, you know, had you draw a bunch of trash. You know, all you have basically are kind of like these moderates, like weak and moderates, and maybe your best card's like a nine or a 10. You know, there, there, this happens. You mentioned statistics. This will happen to you. You will play games where your best card is like an eight. Um, What do you, how do you evaluate cheating? when you cannot guarantee success with
1: cheating? So I guess, you know, my mindset will always stay the same. If I don't have the card in hand, the action is going to fail. And at that point, it's a question of, you know, what is going to get me closer to my goal and what is still the best thing for this this guy to do? So maybe, you know, my plan was to, I'm going to run in, I have these cards, I'm going to make sure I hit and I'm going to make sure I kill them. But, you know, at this point, whatever happens, like my... Entire hand has turned into trash. I no longer have those cards. And it's like, all right, well, I can't ensure I'm going to hit him. But any alternative plan doesn't get me any closer to what I'm trying to do. So maybe I run in, I swing, and I only hit them once. But that still gets me closer to getting that point. So in that case, you know, in some cases, my plan isn't going to change. I guess as dumb as that sounds. <laughs> the the fate hand just lets me plan my turn with A higher level of certainty and it lets me chain farther in and look farther in to say alright I know this is going to happen I know this is going to happen if I have those cards to hit and ensure a kill I know that my first turn activation can be run running in and removing that model off the board so they don't get to activate at all this turn whereas if I don't have those cards in hand maybe I'm not going to go that approach because it's not necessary and If I actually activate another model, I can go and maybe pick up a strategy marker and score the point that way. Right,
0: and I think this kind of goes to, you know, we touched about this, uh, I guess, a little bit before, but you know what you can achieve, what you can guarantee to achieve, is is just such a huge part of this game. You know, I was talking to uh, uh, an online player, and I was you know, we were talking about, um, you know, kind of what to do, this is kind of specific circumstance, but you know, what to do if, if your opponent declares Titania as a master, mm-hmm. you know, like, should you always bring in Molly to, you know, as like a second master, just to, to nuke, to, to nuke, uh, uh, the underbrush markers. And, and they were saying, well, you know, I feel confident I can kill Molly. And, and he sort of laid out the math for it. Right. And mm-hmm. so that is what stronger players are doing. And if you are listening to this episode, and you're like, I have never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, if you don't look at cheating as a way to forecast what you can achieve in the turn, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of cheating like, as a mechanic? How, how has your views of cheating sort of changed as you've, as you've grown in the game, and like, do you appreciate it as a mechanic compared to like what might be in other games or are there things about it you, you don't like? You know, what, what's your what's your feeling about cheating as a as a mechanic, as a game rule?
1: Um, Within the realm of Malafa, I, I definitely I love it as a mechanic because I, I mean, I guess anyone that's played, you know how fucking bad it feels to just blind flip off the top of your deck, <laughs> just hoping shit will happen. <laughs> um, I think the game would lose a huge layer of strategy without being able to cheat in cards because at that point, you know, you're never not just jumping in with Lady Justice and trying to push that stat advantage because at that point, it's really all you have. Mm-hmm. So being able to plan out my turn or realizing, you know, my activation order or my pro- priorities will change based on what I have in my hand. Let's say I can score a point by killing this guy or by picking up the strategy marker. The order that's going to happen is going to depend on the hands of my uh, the cards in my hand. If I get like a bunch of lows and moderates, I'm going to go with the action that doesn't require me to flip any cards or like be in any opposed duels. Um, because I know I can get that off. And, you know, any activation that you can get off where your opponent can't answer it or prevent you from it, right? It's gonna have a hundred percent chance of success. Mm-hmm. But the rewards are gonna be different. Either way, I can score a point. And, you know, ideally, I'm going to get both points in that turn. Do I want to get a point and weaken my opponent for the rest of the turn? Or do I just want to get a point? And obviously, you always want to kill their model and get the point. But the chances of success is going to persuade you which course of action is the, you know, the more sure way to win the game.
0: Right. Yeah, for me... You know it, it's interesting in that my view of cheating has changed over time. I, when I first when I first started, obviously mm-hmm. I knew nothing, right and then you you play a little bit and you improve, and I got to a point you know where I'd played some games, right I, I wasn't experienced, but I also wasn't new. I was kind of in mm-hmm. sort of a nebulous zone. And in that stage, I kind of looked at cheating as insurance, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to do this thing, and if it doesn't succeed, I can cheat. But now I look at cheating in in much like a a, a very similar to how you do it, right? Where cheating is the the cards in my hand are a resource pool and I have to order them in terms of in terms of the significance of what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do. And the things that are critical to me, I have to do and be willing to use the resources that I've assigned to them. And the things that aren't critical to me, or you know, if I just don't have enough resources to cover everything that i need to do in a turn right at that point i'm just flipping off the top of my deck and even if i have an advantage i don't feel great about it going in at all you know when i was playing i was playing a game yesterday against ally uh against colgan's wife and she plays dreamer uh of course and (laughs) (laughs) you you know i had other stuff i needed to do but i also wanted to kill lord chompy bits. Mm -hmm. And so later in the turn, I was just swinging at him with his Terrifying, and I failed like five or six Terrifying checks mm-hmm. in the course of the game on Chompy, just because I didn't have the resources left to cheat in the Terrifying at that point in the turn. And even before I flipped, when I when I was facing Terrifying and I didn't have the card in hand to guarantee it, even if I only needed like a five, it, it was a terrible feeling in my stomach to have to flip that card. So I think... If you can move from a point where you see your hand as as backup, like, oh, I'm gonna try this, and if I fail, mm-hmm. I can cheat it in. And and instead of that take a more proactive view of your resources, I think you're going to get more out of your cheating and, and you're gonna you're gonna achieve your goals, I think, more reliably.
1: You you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I was thinking about it like I can kind of tell like where a person is in terms of, like, I guess their journey in Malifaux, based on, like, where they're surprised when people cheat Mm -hmm. or don't cheat. Because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like, newer players will be really surprised if they attack your guy and they flip, like, a four and you flip a three, and, like, you're not going to cheat? And it's (laughs) like, well, yeah, it's like, it's not worth the five in my hand. Like, that guy over there is going to leap and get me a point. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to cheat a five (laughs) to, like, try and dodge this attack. Like, it's not worth it. Whereas, like, me, you know, when I'm playing against newer players, like, they'll stone for a trigger, and then they'll flip, like, a five, and I'll cheat, and, you know, and I'll flip, like, a six, and they won't cheat. I'm like, wait, why did you spend a stone if you can't even beat, like, a six? (laughs) And it's like, like, to me, you know, that, that huge sinking feeling, like, if I'm ever, like, stoning for a suit, and I don't have, like, a card in my hand to ensure that hit, like, if I have, like, a stat five against a stat five, I have 12 in my hand, and I stone for that suit. I have this huge sinking feeling in my stomach like they're going to have that 13 and I'm just going to lose the stone. But like, (laughs) I need to do this. But it's the worst feeling in the world.
0: Yeah, for me, if if I'm investing extra resources in something, it's either I have no other choice or Mm -hmm. I can guarantee or essentially because the jokers essentially guarantee uh, success. Right. Right. And uh, that even goes... You know, even things like focus. It was a resource earlier in, in the in like, another turn or in a turn, like, to, to focus, right? I So I've seen people do an attack with a focus, and they flip two bad cards, and, and they're losing, and they don't cheat it. And, yeah, I scratched my head about that. I was like, well, why did you use your focus there? It, it, was it just to give you the better chance of hitting off the top of your deck? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think so much of Malifaux is resource allocation. Mm-hmm which isn't a big surprise because fundamentally I think you can probably boil down almost every game to a a resource allocation exercise and things like miniatures and lore and whatever, just help avoid or obfuscate the fact that it's just a spreadsheet. (laughs) Like I remember once seeing this meme of uh, like all of these, you know, like really stout, like really masculine looking dudes in, in football jerseys and they're all sitting around a bunch of laptops and, and the, the text of the meme says, Fantasy football is for people who are bad at fantasy and football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it is very possible that in the end, everything is just math, which is a kind of a depressing way to look at the world. But, yet, yeah, newer players will just, like, take those flyers. Whereas experienced players, if they're stoning for the suit, that should be an indication to you right away they're going to succeed in what they're trying to do. And Mm -hmm. it's you should get a sinking feeling in your stomach if someone's making an attack and they're suiting for a specific trigger that is terrible for you Mm -hmm. because they are going to hit with that trigger. Except for the Red Joker and the Black Joker does exist, so (laughs) (laughs) I guess there is that. But this actually goes to one element of cheating that, although I appreciate intellectually, I'm not a huge fan of. I like or I, I, maybe it's easier to phrase it this way. I do not like mathematical certainty. I appreciate the elegance. I appreciate the skill of, of you know, the strong players who are able to just really choreograph their actions, you know, not to get too florid about it, but it can get pretty impressive to see just how well that they've plotted out the turn and, and, you know, that is skill, and I, I can appreciate that. But part of me kind of appreciates the just grab like a handful of dice and throw them, and what comes up comes up. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I guess I just, I guess I feel that for all the elegance, there's something just kind of too mechanical about the way cheating works or about the, the ability to guarantee a certain set of outcomes. And I understand that that's actually what a lot of people appreciate about Malifaux.
1: Um, I I agree with you to a point. Like for me, I I can't. I have a really hard time enjoying games where I know I can actually plot out every move with like exact efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I always want a bit of randomization in my games. Like whether or not that's a weakness, I don't know. Um, but I guess that's the part I appreciate about Malphite because there is a level where you can actually plan and be sure of certain actions but your ability to do so is always going to be limited so that there's always going to be a bit of doubt as to the success of your action, right?
0: Right. You know, leaving jokers aside for the moment, the majority of flips are not going to be cheated. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I shouldn't overstate this like mathematical determinism element because uh, most of the game actually is played quite randomly and being able to assess what's really important and, and what's worth it and what's what it is you should guarantee that's you know that that probably is a a good um el- that it is what makes Malvo deep but in the swamp fiends i had actually asked would you accept five stones to put a second black joker in your deck and i got a range of replies and, and some of them were were like oh well jokers are my least favorite element in Malvo. i wish they just didn't exist mm-hmm. and to me the jokers actually help preserve some of this randomness that that Uh, kind of mitigates these elements that I've I've been complaining about for the last couple of minutes. But it was interesting to me that for some people, they want it to be even more precise or they want to be able to forecast things uh, even better than they currently could. Like, what what do you think about that?
1: Uh, As far as like, whether it should be forecasted more or if i take the extra black joker for another five stones
0: i guess both
1: <laughs> um I, I i feel like i would take the five stones for the black joker and then end up regretting it later and never do it again <laughs>
0: <laughs> i feel like it would be super op for you know like doll with the hanged or lynch mm. right with rig the deck maybe or whatever ancient pact would become more popular
1: yeah, if you have enough ways to mitigate it, I could definitely see it being good. But I I feel like, I mean, for me, like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to have an emotional response to this. Like, fuck, having, I'm just going to flip, like, two Black Jokers at the worst possible times. I'm just gonna, like, five stones is not worth this. And I'll just never do it again. Even if, like, mathematically, <laughs> you always do it. um, As far as, like, the mathematical certainty, like I said before, like, I personally don't enjoy games where you can predict the outcome of every single interaction. It, it gets to the point where I think I have to put so much thought into every single action that I stop being able to enjoy the game, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does make sense. I, Malifaux, I, I personally find Malifaux kind of draining to play. I, I enjoy it as a game, obviously, because we do this podcast. <laughs> Why would you do a podcast if you didn't enjoy the game? But after I play a game of Malifaux i'm kind of done
1: mm-hmm.
0: like with anything like i just want to go to wiener Schnitzel and get chili cheese fries or whatever like my my brain is finished after a game of malifo and multi-round tournaments you know I, i've I've done some but man they're they're rough especially at the end
1: yeah i'm probably in the same boat like i i really do enjoy malifo remember like i recently started playing like mom pock again monster apocalypse mm-hmm. it'd been a long time since i played but i just have busted out like uh games back to back and they're like about an hour long and i felt okay after that whereas like with malifo if i bust two games like back to back like afterwards i'm just like yeah i just don't want to do anything like i can't even like <laughs> process information at this point
0: <laughs> yeah yep yeah. I uh, so I know you've been thinking about cheating as a, a topic for kind of a while. You know, you were kicking on the idea of a, a solo episode or whatever. We decided to kind of to do this in, in sort of a conversational sense. Um, but was there anything about cheating as a mechanic or as an emotion or whatever that we that you've thought of that we didn't really hit yet in this episode?
1: I I think we covered the main things I wanted to cover. Uh, you know, it's always, it, it's another resource in the game and you always need to be judging your chances of success. And I mean, maybe it's a good guideline, maybe it's not, but you know, that sinking feeling in your stomach when you know you can't ensure something is maybe something that's good to, I guess, nurture. It might help guide your decisions in the future. Like you said, there aren't really that many turns or situations where you can guarantee like A high number of actions like even though I say like I assume everything is going to fail it's not like I'm never attacking your guy if I don't have a 13 in hand (laughs) it's just I'm going to adjust my expectations appropriately like I know that I might just whiff every single thing or they might just cheat out of it but I know that you know at the very least you're gonna have to commit a high card and that might give me advantage somewhere else or you know later in the turn like you're not going to be able to cheat out of certain attacks or certain actions and like conversely like one thing that I've started doing and I guess I'm not sure when it started but you know defensively like you said even if you cheat a high card because if it ever matches they're going to hit anyways I almost never expect to be able to dodge out of an attack so if I'm cheating on defense I'm usually just cheating high enough to make sure that they're going to be put on a negative flip. And it's something I don't see a lot of newer players do. They flip a 13 and you flip like a 6 and you're like, well, shit, I can't beat them. So I'm just not going to waste the card. Mm -hmm. But, you know, making sure that they're not limiting the range of damage you can take or forcing them to like expend more resources is worth it. I can cheat up to, you know, I can cheat in like an 8. And, you know, they're not going to get a straight flip. They might flip a severe in a week. And, like, great, I saved myself four points of damage.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, even if it won't save the model, if it costs them the whole activation to kill you, it can be very worth it to cheat in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this is what goes, uh, or at least part of what goes, to make Malifaux a skill-based game. Your decisions genuinely matter in Malva like even to the extent of I'm going to get hit no matter what I do but how badly do I want to get like how badly am I going to get hit you know, am I going to spend a resource here, is it worth it here to spend a resource even though it's still going to result in, in taking damage to take less damage. It's also where the random element comes in, right? Like you can cheat to put them on a negative mm-hmm. and it's totally the right move And then they, they still hit moderate or like when Ali hit moderate on four cards yesterday, (laughs) I remember that was like, it was just, it was like a wave of frustration came over me because I'm like, I did everything right. (laughs) And I like, I am taking moderate guarantee here. Like, I hate this game, (laughs) but you know, that's the random element that I was, you know, 10 minutes ago saying I liked and that I, I kind of. Uh, didn't like the fact that it's diminished somewhat by cheating. So there's just, there's so many different moving parts in this game, and that's what keeps me coming back uh, to it time and time again. Um, and cheating is just, it's really fascinating. And I, 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 like I said, I've been watching a lot of hustle games. I've been watching how and when people cheat and why they cheat and you know, I I've been playing Malpho for several years now, so I, I it's fair to call me an experienced player. I'm not a super strong player, but you know, I'm an experienced player. But I am still learning things about cheating uh, all the time, and not just from super strong players. When I see uh, newer players, and if they do behavior that I recognize in myself, then I'm like, oh yeah, well you know maybe I shouldn't have you know I that's something I can correct. So cheating, there's just a lot to it, and if you're finding that you're struggling with when to cheat or if you find that your hand is just always empty like by the third activation or whatever. (laughs) You know, don't don't feel too bad because this is not an easy thing to get down. But as your cheating uh skills improve, I think you will find you'll start racking up more points and eventually more wins.
1: Yeah, um I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, starting out, I think everyone's gonna have that experience when they first see cheating. It's like, oh, I can make sure everything is successful and then yeah your second activation you're out of cards and all of a sudden you know the opponent's getting like plus flips on damage because you flipped a one and they didn't
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um well so I think that'll probably uh do it for us for tonight um if you listen to the end thank you very much uh, we play in just one small corner of uh, the globe, but we want to be part of the wider Malfo community, and that's one reason why we're doing this podcast. So if uh, you have any opinions about what we're doing, uh, please let us know. We would love to hear over any format. You know, we have email, we have Discord, we have Twitter. By the way, we are, thank you for tweeting our episodes now. That's super cool of you. You can send us voicemails through the Anchor site. Uh, we, we've gotten some, and those are always just super fun to get we have a PayPal and a Patreon. So if you'd like to support the channel in that way, we'd appreciate it. And, you know, a shout out and just tremendous gratitude to to our, our backers or, you know, anyone who has backed uh, in the past and anyone who maybe is thinking about backing, you know, thank you very much. Obviously we, um, you know, you might wonder like, what does it matter? Well, you know, we can use it to upgrade our equipment, to, like, get better better hosting services, all those things. So, if you do want to support the channel in that way, uh, it would be much appreciated. Otherwise, you know, we, we just uh, love you all for listening, and that'll do it for tonight. So, uh, see you guys next time.
1: Night, everyone.